Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie. We were live, but only a little bit. This is actually the last stream we did in my current apartment, and maybe the last one in your current uh, home as well. Most likely, actually. I think yeah. so. I haven't looked at the schedule, but maybe after this, I could pack up the, pack up this stuff, because this is also the things I was the most concerned about. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, uh just recording this this last episode uh remote because this is this is probably when you're gonna you're gonna hear us talking back and forth on microphones and in the future we'll be doing that in the same place isn't that crazy it's gonna sound like, well, exactly actually, the same we're gonna be yeah but here's the thing brian and i may just start saying i'm gonna throw you into like nope. michigan and we'll be closer to each other to do so no lizzie will mm -hmm. become nice when she's in person so crazy, fingers crossed bestie. This episode is with someone who's very nice. Uh, his name is Jack Appleby. Uh, we had him uh, reach out uh, after our Say Anything episode because he's just a huge fan of Say Anything. And now he's like, hey, let me talk about emo music and marketing and, and stuff I don't usually get to talk about in my maiden business uh, ventures. So we had him on the pod to talk about emo music and being on social media and marketing yourself. Yeah, it was a really good time because, you know, the same thing, too. There's things that you don't blend together often. And usually emo music, if you're in like a traditional corporate workplace, you if you talk about it, everyone's gonna be like, what are you talking about? We uh, we, we, we we have a conversation about uh, marketing and being in uh, the Internet in 2023 and being in a band. So if that's you, it's interesting. If you just like old emo music and you're like, I'd love to hear some thoughts on it. That's also there. So stay tuned. And while you stay tuned, give us five stars on your Only podcasting app of choice. Drop them stars. Give it to us. Give it to me now so that we can, uh, you know, be higher rated on social media and, and music and apps. So we can get more into those uh, algorithms where they're like, do you like these podcasts actually? Because you listen to other podcasts. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. You can also get us on your algorithm on social media, like Instagram at Emo Social Club, which is also threads, I guess. Uh, and TikTok and Twitter for now at X Emo Social Club X. Yeah, you can get us anywhere. I mean, you can like stitch to any videos that we post up too. Sure. We've already been getting all the hate comments on YouTube. Brian's been handing them flawlessly. Thank you. So everyone. if you wanting into beef with brian now go over to youtube and maybe dislike one of our videos because i think that's the funniest thing possible i will roast you if you leave a comment because i am funnier than you all right i'm right i'm correct somebody challenge brian in the comments you will not be funnier than me uh yeah uh, we'll, we'll 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 be doing this in person in the future it'll be cool it'll be a great yeah. time uh well with that with that with that just get into it here's here's our interview with jack appleby welcome to the emo social club podcast broadcasting to you live from emo social club tv i am brian and i'm lizzie and we're talking tonight with um basically extraordinary social media guru um journalist <laughs> writer and music extraordinaire from behind the scene jack appleby tonight a lot of very very cool there. to finally uh chat with you 
music extraordinaire seems aggressive. Maybe. I was like riffing a little bit going off of there. Yeah. That's that's the radio guy who, in guy me. Who wrote for, yeah, guy who wrote for music blogs back when music blogs were a thing. I mean, that's an extraordinaire. I mean. Yeah. You you like pave, okay. you helped pave uh, the way for a lot of things. You you broke some really insane things, and you know what? Look at where you are now. Yeah, <laughs> it, man, it was it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit about like kind of your your background? What's your what you're into now? Like, uh, uh, give us a little bit of a rundown of of Jack. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so like the high, high, high Twitch world. Um, so I'm Jack Appleby. Uh, currently, I work as a creator in the marketing space. Uh, I write a newsletter called Future Social. I after I worked in social media and advertising for like the last ten years, running social for brands like Beats by Dre, and Spotify, and Verizon, and a bunch of video game accounts, and TV show community, um, and that's all like corporate me and fun. That's what I do professionally now. But like way back in the day, uh, I was a music blogger i wrote for absolute punk uh during its heyday wrote for all press there for a spell uh, i was a co-founder of a website called mine equals blown um right in that like sweet God, i mean how many years ago is it now like a decade something like that like when we when we all like were writing for these blogs and that's what we <laughs> did how we talked about music before things like release radar like stole our lunch <laughs> i lizzie how how did you interact because you're you're I'm 36, so this is like my generation of like Absolute Punk and MP3.com and like all of these these website MySpace that I'd be like checking for new music on. But what's your experience with all of this as a young person? I I had like forums because I when it was like 2009 to 2012. That's when I was in high school, and I did a lot of like fanfiction.net writing so i went on forums okay for we those gotta specific move on we gotta change the topic topic. I'm so things sorry. I was in. <laughs> just call it's called tumblr let's call it what it is <laughs> yeah. no and fanfiction.net <laughs> oh my god um so those are like the forums i had but when i got into um undergrad a couple years into undergrad after i transferred to where i graduated from that's when I started to like look at, oh, I should probably start to write for like these other music blogs, like build my portfolio and things like that. So I got like the tail end of where we are now with these like independent music publications rather than blogs. And I find that it's so interesting because so many more people now who are either cultural editors or writers, even like some journalists are out there. And yes, those are different things, everybody. Um, are starting to have um, like different their own independent blogs but they can get subscribed to them which I think is so interesting because they're newsletters but when you read it it looks like a blog the way you format it is like a blog and I find that it's so interesting that we basically changed it to sound more adults rather than <laughs> just saying here's my blog can you check it out Totally. It's, it's like a full rebrand. And like it's, they're functionally the exact same. Like, I always joke, like, can someone bring Zanga back, please? Like, I miss <laughs> those days. Of, like, like, when we were all, like, real casual with, mm -hmm. like, long-form writing of our own. But, like, I mean, yeah, it's like we've just called the newsletter. They're just blogs with distribution. That's all they are. Yeah, true. I... Look, I just think about MySpace bulletins all the time and how, like, I didn't need to write on my live journal anymore and... 
I, I could just write on the bulletins and that was the way I remember like MySpace uh, turning me on to, to Skrillex because of from first to last. And then I'm just seeing Skrillex yes. like typing to the world on bulletins. And I'm like, man, this guy will never be the biggest artist in the world in 2012. And then here we are. <laughs> LOL. Oh, I, I, I mean, I've never been able to describe what I'm feeling more than with the MySpace profile song. <laughs> I've just been lost culturally since then. Yeah. I think it's interesting that Instagram allows you to do it, but it's only if you post it in like your story or on an actual like post of the day. I'm like, that's not the same. And you can't search like the really niche stuff. Like I want like my song of the day is imaginary by Evanescence, but the demo version specifically. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. Wire. Uh, no, it's <laughs> No, I mean, it, it's, I mean, if you want to get really dorky social, like, no, like nothing's ever truly replaced the MySpace profile song. Instagram has lots of options now. You can, you post a still photo, you can actually add a song to it now mm -hmm. in like your primary feed. But like, there's nothing where like, uh, we just don't visit profiles the way we used to is another part of this. Like MySpace was, we mostly like clicked on other people's profiles. Early Facebook went to their profile. We just all live in the feeds now. So not, not only is there like not a replacement for it, it's not even a really a good place to put that stuff, unfortunately. So I just spam people in stories because when you click my face on Instagram, you have no idea what I'm going to share with you. So I'm going to force email you down your throat. <laughs> uh, so what do you think? Like, I, I mean, I guess if if that's not the replacement, because obviously, yeah, the timeline, like, I don't know, now you're making me nostalgic for like, yeah, I want to go to somebody's page and see what they wrote, right? Like, if I'm following Jack Appleby, I'm going to go like, ah, oh, I got to check his page today and see like what he's writing about, like what band he's he's uh, talking about today or something like that. So what do you think like the current day version of these like music blogs is or, or uh, even like written discoverability of music? <laughs> I, I mean, you got me. I have no idea. Like for the last couple of years, I tried to do my own version, like just because I missed writing about this stuff where every Friday I did a new music Friday Instagram story. And it would be like a 10 part Instagram story where like a new song, it was about a new song that came out. It would be like my personal history with that band or like why I liked them, how they got there. And I did that every Friday for like three years. <laughs> and I had a mixture of friends go, man, that's cool. I discovered stuff I would have never thought of. And then I had other friends who went, just so you know, I've muted your Instagram forever. <laughs> or I watch it with sound off. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm like, okay, cool. Like you guys can have have it your way. Like whatever works. Like, but there, I mean, never found a way on social to share our personal taste like like that. I mean, before that, it was the aim away message. Yep. Those those places just don't exist anymore, and like it's a shame because like it's we're kind of all slaves to new music Friday playlists and release radar playlists, which are great inventions. But to your point, like the music conversation that would exist like in an absolute punk blog or in someone's commentary, like it's much harder to find than it used to be. We've, we've talked about here about how it's now it's not about discoverability. It's about curation because there's just too much shit. And now you need somebody mm -hmm. who's like a, a quote unquote tastemaker. I'm, I don't want anybody yeah. listening to this to think, oh, wow, this guy is saying tastemaker. He's like a DJ, like a vibe curator, you know? <laughs> like, a vibe curator. But you need somebody who is like, hey, I know a little bit or I like this stuff and I want to, you know, promote new bands. It's like it's kind of just having that that vibe about you where it's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to 
say these bands are good. I like this new band. Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, like that's how absolute punk was ran. Like each staff writer had their individual tastes. Like, I mean, I was kind of known for being the like slightly more technical side of the emo rock scene. So like, I was a big triple crown guy. Okay. Like I would sometimes vent like I wasn't, I grew up with like post hardcore music. I would post it sometimes, but like, like moving mountains from Indian lakes, like rare future, like that kind of stuff is what I like. And, and no one told us what to do on that site. Mm-hmm. I could post news about whatever band I want. <laughs> so like, we kind of were those like, like, like many creators or influencers mm-hmm. that just happen to live within one website. Really, if we're being honest, more than we were journalists. <laughs> I was about to say, this sounds like you had beats, but you were probably just being like, hey, I like this band. Listen to it. Okay, bye. Totally. I mean, like, my favorite thing to do with Absolute Punk was to get absolute exclusives for bands that were smaller. Like, that was very fun for me because at the time, like, the Absolute Punk homepage was a great driver of traffic. Like, it could put people on to bands that didn't exist. And that changed greatly. Like, that is early. Like, I mean, when I first worked for Absolute Punk, songs were getting debuted on bands in my spaces. Yeah. Like, this is a different generation. Oh, yeah. And as, it beca- like, as YouTube became a bigger role, like, I remember we were getting fights with publicists because when we debuted a song, we'd want to host it on the Absolute Punk YouTube account. And the bands and labels wanted to host it on the record label accounts. And us being like, young dumb bloggers didn't understand <laughs> why our request was wildly unreasonable because it was a, it was a changing generation of content mm-hmm. and, and it also changed like how we do that kind of stuff where it's like we like i mean i remember when we kind of started to focus less on that stuff at absolute punk because of that so like we saw a lot of evolution in how we talk about music and like i miss it deeply and i don't know where to talk about it. i don't know if it's because i'm 34 and i'm in a different generation than like people usually like, discuss that kind of stuff now i don't know if it's because spotify has just made us we live inside the playlist like mm-hmm. you guys tell me where, where do we talk about this stuff now uh, it's, it's pretty Twitch. much on twitter <laughs> or tiktok but even on tiktok yeah. you have a bunch of bands that that this is where like the whole industry plant thing kind of came out um with gail who does that abcfu song because she mm-hmm. was an industry plant, but now there's a bunch of other bands that are on there that we know are not industry plants, like Meet Me at the Altar. I've right. been following them for years before they got signed. And I was like, oh, they're very much not. They're very much not this. But because people see them stylistically like in like very nice videos or they're saying, hey, we're going on tour after tour after tour with these larger bands, people are like, you must be industry plants because there's no way you went from work you know working hard busting your ass doing the diy way to being signed to a label and of course everyone thinks that it's glamorous on the label too when it's really not (laughs) but that's where you find it but then if you listen to a band sometimes you're like oh this is like a band that is manufactured but then it's the whole conversation of well is it okay to like a manufactured band like that because there have been so many i mean one was like the sex pistols and that arguably is one of the biggest (laughs) kickstart to you know punk music it's true so that's kind of like the conversation we're having but i found a lot of really great bands and also a lot of great friends who are in like really sick bands strictly through like twitter and networking and just scouring all these other like smaller independent blogs and posts and just like being in nosy in people's comments I mean, it makes sense. Like, I mean, I've found bands through TikTok. Like, someone I know is playing music from the last, like, couple of years. A band called Ben Quaid, who, like, they're, mm-hmm. like, a, they're great. I mean, I found them when they had, like, 2,000 TikTok followers. The algorithm just figured out that I wanted, like, Midwest, like, heavier emo. Mm-hmm. 
and that was like one of my most played albums uh, arrows in action just like randomly came up my feed and like I, uh oh what is that song called i forget i'll find it later but like i, I was obsessed with it. it became one of my most played songs that year so like I, I use it for music searching but it also to me feels more and maybe it's because i'm just not interacting i'm not in the comments enough it's kind of just another like delivery service like mm -hmm. it's like pure volume for the new generation yes i miss debating and just like not even debating just like discussing like like when i wrote for my some of my favorite things to do for both alt press and absolute punk were alt press had the 100 bands you need to know issue yep. and absolute punk had the absolute 100 where it was they each it was once a year thing and it was a big beat like and we again was not scientific each writer just kind of had x amount of slots to give of their own but like that was a big music place where we as writers became known for our taste we got to show off bands that we thought were great that weren't gonna have attention and then that would just cause discussion in the comments and the forums and like we found new music that way i miss that stuff where is it? i feel like you could do that on tiktok through like stitching but then people yeah. just mm -hmm. get really shitty with it because they'll just like comment on things that don't matter and then you have to restitch them to do it and it's and the discourse is just absolutely messy. And then someone's like, mm -hmm. I'm calling this creator out now. And I'm like, whoa, we escalated so quickly. I just wanted to see if you thought that they're like number two or they should be number 30. That's it. I don't want anything else. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I do have this theory. Um, so, like, Zach Cirillo is one of, oh, a good buddy of mine who ran Property of Zach way back when. And I, I've bumped him before. I have this theory that you could recreate Absolute Punk as an Instagram account. That you could do the whole thing. That like album reviews can be individual posts that you can do song debuts through reels that Instagram comments are a perfectly worthy place for discussion of stuff like Instagram highlights where like this highlights tour announcements, this highlights album announcements, this highlights album reviews. Uh, I do not have the time to do this, but <laughs> someone please steal it and do it for me so I can follow it. Free <laughs> idea for everyone's, but yeah. Jack is also going to be there in your DMs being like, hey, do it this way. Or I swear to God. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna troll it. I'll full yeah. troll it. <laughs> You're gonna be up in there instead of the YouTube comments being like, hey, hey, you suck at this. Yeah. I'll, just leave it. That's it. <laughs> I'll say for sure YouTube is not the place. <laughs> well, I mean it's it's funny, like referencing like chats I've had with Zach again. I was like, what it like I asked him, I was like, what what would blogs look like today? He's like, they wouldn't. They'd be YouTubers. Yeah. He's like, what like like what punk rock MBA is doing. Is what we would have all done if we like if we all came back. Um, which like I, I I always laugh because that means that Brian Stars was ten years ahead of the curve. If <laughs> we hate to see it. Was. We oh, hate yeah. to admit it. It's... You hate to see it in retrospect. We like, he drove me nuts back then. In retrospect, he was so far ahead of everybody as far as content creation. Yep. Uh, look, it was a new like YouTube kind of started to become a thing when i was about to finish college and i was like well at least if everything else falls apart at least i can do youtube and and be like a, a creator on youtube and now fucking 20 years later <laughs> that's what i'm finally doing so awesome great work me we all get there yeah it's okay i made amvs all right when youtube was we around. have it's got fine. to we move all, on uh we, we have so many questions Lizzie. we gotta move on we can't talk Listen, about Ryan this just doesn't like my lincoln park x wings <laughs> club amvs and that's a him problem there are different Damn kinds of creators <laughs> and honestly I'll, I'll i mean i will give lizzie credit here there were a few bands like lincoln park and all that that i listened to because of amvs at the time Man. like 
I mean, if you're a Dragon Ball fan and all of a sudden you start seeing Goku throwing Kamehameha's to in the end, you're like, oh shit, like I'm in. And you have it that. It was the best of times. <laughs> yeah. It was the worst of times. Look, I. That's how I, we all got into video editing, whether we wanted to or not. That was the <laughs> gateway. Was the AMVs. Uh, how do Lord. I chop up this this compilation of Piccolo scenes? <laughs> <laughs> to well, paper and then you cut. always, at least for me, I always had to go to like these because um, Ellie's for Wings Club because that was my my main thing I did. I would have to go to like Italian sites and like try to download the clips i needed or i would have to go to like different sites that were not in english because that's where it aired out of first before the u.s and then i would have to get the censored ones because they didn't play them here because they're too mature like not even that much because it's still a kid's show and i'd be like i need this to make my little storyline that goes to like evanescence everybody's oh my <laughs> we've all come so far we have and look at us now I will argue that maybe the reason we don't have as many music discoverability things is because of like we had to struggle and and like really just just walk uphill thirty miles in the snow to get a Winx AMV done <laughs> for the internet. And, and are now the kids nowadays like, doing it? No, no, they I'm lack discipline. It, you know, yeah, they <laughs> lack discipline. They lack like <laughs> hardship. You know, they've got it too easy now. They don't need a music blog. They just they just have TikTok, I guess. This is what's different. Uh, this is me as as an old man. Just like this is what's different now. <laughs> oh, I, I, I made no mistake. My like my maybe my most old man music take is like I had to figure out which two or three CDs to ask for for Christmas. Yeah, that was like a whittling down process. Like, okay, cool. I can probably get my parents spend like forty five dollars on CDs. Which album has the most songs they actually care about? Oh my god, <laughs> kids are born with the entirety yep. of music. Yep. they have everything. It's look when I got that Vertical Horizon CD from the mall. When I got yes. um, when I got Fuel. Uh, when Not I got Fuel. Uh, oh, dude, you and I, you and I gotta have like a, like a sidebar because like we're like these are like core bands yep, for me back yep. in the day. It was just the time, man. It's like I gotta go to the mall and I gotta get this. And it, it was there was also like you know Mike Hem putting out Black Parade. It's like I want to go and and experience the the have the experience of purchasing that from a hot topic even though i worked the hot topic <laughs> it was like i'm gonna go pick it up from my job on the day it comes out and listen to it in the car because like yeah i want that experience and yeah you, you are missing out on a little bit of that i don't know if you need to do that with a oh, fuel record today but <laughs> <laughs> well i mean I, re I remember telling my mom mom i gotta go ride my bike to kmart lincoln park reanimation came out today. oh hell yeah <laughs> I, I must I must go ride my bike to Kmart immediately. It's it's of the utmost urgency. Uh, I mean, we. I, I just think kids these days need. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make you kids ride uphill thirty miles. Kids these I mean, days. I I will say I'm pretty sure the last CD I ever bought was Danger Days. Yeah. Because as soon as Spotify came out, and, like streaming, me and my family are big early tech adopters. We were like, we're doing this. I haven't had a DVD player in my house in like probably 10, 15 years. Oh, I'll, I'll tangent us one more time before going to questions. My last CD I purchased. Uh, so there was a Garth Brooks concert at Notre Dame, like this big televised major event. Uh, and I just happened to be like in the area with my girlfriend at the time and her family. We went to it. And I knew we were going to ahead of time. So like Garth Brooks didn't have any of his music on streaming. 
So I Amazoned this CD of greatest hits and had it in my car. I was like trying to like, great, it's Garth Brooks. Like some artists transcend their genre. He's one of mm-hmm. the biggest artists of all time. I was like, yeah, I would like to know these songs a little more before I go. Went to the show. It was rainy and cold, but it was incredible. Like, oh, fantastic performance. And like two years later, I sell my car to my buddy not knowing that that Garth Brooks CD was still in the changer. Yeah. And as he's pulling out of the driveway with my car, like after 12 years, I'm kind of having like an emotional moment. Like, oh my God, I just like sold my car because I'm moving to New York. I just see all these tags on Instagram for it. It's like, what is happening? As my buddy Travis posting track by track the Garth Brooks <laughs> album from my car stereo. <laughs> And this, I mean, that's three, four years ago. This is recent. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. That's pretty fire, though. That, oh. Look, I'm going to say that's a good way to discover music. Just buy a car from somebody and that person just has to leave a ra- It's like a, like geocaching. It's like you got to leave a random thing in a random yeah. place. LARPing. Yeah. Music LARPing. Yeah. Music LARPing. He's got this car. Is Garth Brooks hard as fuck? This is awesome. <laughs> Is this the resurgence of country that we're looking for right now? I, okay. We're now we're tangenting on Garth Brooks. Yeah. We're now tangenting on Garth Brooks. I was going hard on how Garth Brooks is like an awesome person the other night. I do not listen to Garth Brooks, but like (laughs) my friend just was like, oh, I can't believe like people are still into Garth Brooks. I'm like, the dude said, I'm not putting my music on any streaming service. I'm going to start my own streaming service. And he hasn't broken that. You know who has broken that? Taylor fucking Swift. Got all of her music on Spotify. Garth Brooks, better than Taylor Swift when it comes to holding on to your music, not giving it to streaming sites, and making people come to you to listen to your music. All I'm saying. We're about to get like Garth versus Taylor, the fight we've all waited for. We've all waited for it. And as far as I can tell, the dude just seems like a really humble, nice dude who just wants to live his life and wants to to play fun music for people. So, you know. He does. I agree. Yeah. Good dude. Find uh, songs that I definitely am not checking out currently. It's not on the CD changer in any car I've been in recently. But, you know, I I would listen, (laughs) I guess, if it came up. I'm discovering right now, this is, this is what the podcast is going to do. We're going to say, this is how you, you do music discovery in 2023. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Go check out Garth Brooks. <laughs> yeah, and that's, it. That's, the entire, that's the entire thing, actually. The forefather of emo, Garth yep. Brooks. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's where you get those friends in low places. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no. uh, so... We said before we started recording that I was going to make you tell us all the secrets to to blowing up on social media, all the marketing techniques and all the tricks. Uh, and and now is the time when I just get all of those secrets and uh, we start uh, getting notoriety as a podcast, I guess. <laughs> um, and I want to kind of ask you a little bit about threads because as one of the only people that we like knew because we were coming on the podcast, it's like, okay... Jack is like in the thread right now. Like Jack is like popping up because you're like somebody we actually know. And I don't think a lot of people besides brands and like big names that were kind of being pushed by Instagram threads, I'm assuming. Uh, But you were one of those, at least for when I was scrolling through and you had a lot of good points. And so I want to get like a little bit of your take on threads now as a new thing that just came out. 
for for music, for bands, for marketing in general, for how we make our podcast thread famous, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, listen, threads is fascinating. It's unprecedented. Like we've never had a social network that got a hundred million users in a week. Mm-hmm. Like it's never happened before. Uh, and it's like, I mean, if for anybody who doesn't know this stuff, like Threads is a Twitter replace. It's a Twitter clone made by Meta, but it, you have to log in through your Instagram, which means 100% of the Threads user base also has Instagram, which is a very interesting caveat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's so something I, one of the things that I'm most curious about is of those 100 million Thread users, how many of them have used Twitter? How many of them are writing short form content for the first time? Like mm-hmm. I saw a study where I think 56% of Instagram users use Twitter. So it's like just over half are the people who sign up for threads, the hundred million of the 500 million daily Instagram users. Are they the Twitter crowd? Are they curious? Are they like clicking through? Like, I mean, threat, to me, Instagram hasn't even pulled their biggest levers as far as getting people to sign up for threads. Like I haven't gotten Instagram stories from Instagram saying like, go do this. Like mm-hmm. it's been fairly organic for the most part, which is even crazier. Like to me, it's worth everyone. Everyone should check it out. Like it's, it's also gifted everyone with Instagram following a threads follow. Mm-hmm. Like the, the way, the reason we all have followers already is because there's a follow all button that most people are clicking. So like I, like Instagram's my smallest social network. It has 15,000 followers in a week. I had 5,000 threads followers just because you're pretty much just getting gifted people who follow you on Instagram. So like there's brand, like Mr. Beast had a million followers in yeah. less than a day. Like it's, and it's, it, some people now have like one way to look at it from a creator perspective or like a music perspective is like a band has a significant percentage of their following probably follows them on threads now. And now you can decide like if you're a band or a label, what do you want to do with that? Are you micro blogging? Cause you have 500 characters there. Are you posting the exact same thing? So you can get to the multiple places. Like we're in the experimental phase. So there's no wrong answers for this stuff. And the question remains like, will it stick around or not? I think it's worth investing in. And I'm never someone who tells you to be early on a platform because I don't think it's, <laughs> it's worth it. Like, wait till it develops. This is one more like, you already have the followers. You're already getting engagement on it. Go play around with it because you just don't know. I, it was you and Gary V who just popped up all the time. And I, I had to... What a combo. I know. <laughs> I had to block Gary V. And, and this is coming from somebody who has... In in previous years of my life, like, listen, I, I don't think Gary Vee is 100% wrong about everything. I just think that he is cult of personality more than actually telling you how to do stuff. Um, but certainly after uh, getting his books for free, I learned a little bit about social media from him. But it's like I I didn't want to see what he had to take on threads because it's it's kind of just the same thing as all the other brands that are like, I'm just going to ask random questions and have a little bit of engagement. It's like, oh, man, what do you put on your French fries? I don't give a shit, uh, uh, Bugles. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah. who are you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, totally. Like, like, and, like, I'll say, like, I actually like a lot of Gary's content. Like, I haven't seen what he does on threads. Um, but, uh, no, it's a, one of the challenges with a new social network is everyone's experimenting with who they want to be on this. The brands are there super early this time, which usually the brands aren't there fast. Mm-hmm. Like that's, this is new. Um, so everyone's engagement baiting everyone who's like 
it's good that creators have followings there because creators are going to drive the networks. Like this is where like that, that's what, if you look at Twitter, 90% of Twitter's content comes from 10% of Twitter mm -hmm. users. Yep. So creators being there early is really important. No one knows what to do with threads yet. <laughs> and that's why I'm like team copy paste. Cause like my Instagram followers, they may or may not know my Twitter. So I'm throwing my tweets up there because that might be new content to them and just seeing what happens. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it, everything we're seeing right now is in the welcome phase and welcome content. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like I personally don't need to see another brand go, hello, we're on threads. Everybody It's like, yeah, just start, just be you like, just like, let's just, let's get into it. Let's start. Like get with your meme phase. Like that's what yeah. we want right now. That's the thing. Like <laughs> that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. But like, it's like, just like go, like everyone just like try to act like you've been there and see what works for you and what doesn't. And like, maybe like those early dopamine hits, if you're a creator or a band or a brand, like maybe those like really narrow you into what you want to be doing there. Or maybe you want to keep playing with things for like six months to see what happens. Like there's no wrong answers, but if you're getting engagement there and you already have followers, it's worth playing around with for sure. I haven't done, uh, too much posting on there of like our content like the the podcast stuff um but when i first started looking through stuff uh i noticed that pictures and video on there might be higher quality than some of the stuff you're seeing on instagram and i thought that was really weird mm. um it's definitely higher quality than it is on twitter right now so if you see a video like you can probably see a much higher quality video on threads than you would anywhere else so i do think like at least if that, like people should be posting more like video content that you can like, you know, swipe through uh, uh, and look at articles, videos, photos and that stuff on there. Because it, it does seem to be at least higher quality. It's, it keeps you engaged on it. So if if I don't know, I'm, I'm literally saying, hey, someone should do this and I'm not doing it. But <laughs> as a as a as an avid reader and watcher of content, I would love to see more high quality video content on the platform <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know how much there's for us to speculate on at this point past sure. everything we've said like the thing I, the thing i will say is one of the things that really intrigues me about it is it's a 500 character platform mm -hmm. so like twitter for the most part is a 240 character platform now and they have the long form tweets but if you do a long form tweet it truncates and hits a, has a show more button mm -hmm. threads will show you all 500 characters which means i can put the most characters on your screen in a social feed that I've ever been able to put. And I think it's been really interesting how like I can give a lot more nuance and context. Whereas like the 280 characters, I can get the two points in there, but on a thread, I can sneak that last point. It's either a third, <laughs> like a supplementary point. It can be the caveat point where it's like, I know you're gonna reply with this, but like that's not that's not what we're talking about here. I've really enjoyed that part of it. I think nuance and context is the reason why it might be more positive and not like Twitter where you don't have the nuance yeah. or context. Correct. <laughs> and as someone whose brain has been broken from trying to explain in, in a very short period of time on Twitter and reading the short, uh, yeah. Nuance and context is a great thing to add to a platform. <laughs> yes. Uh, more please. Yeah. More <laughs> background information. So everyone can, <laughs> thrive instead of like killing each other because that's not the debates we want we want just to know who's playing good music and or who isn't mm. look uh, depending. depending depending on the drama you want for the day depending no uh yeah I, 
Look, I like some of the negativity sometimes. I won't lie. My brain is broken. I'm an unfortunate person. But sometimes it's fun to just go down like the worst thing you've ever seen a person say. And then a lot of people trying to outdo that in the comments underneath it. Like, this is not good, but I'm going to read it. <laughs> I get it. Like, I am on like a very fierce, like positivity train when it comes to social media. Like, I've had some like dark days. I've had, I mean, I've had weird situations where like rumors about businesses i started like took a turn like uh, things that i've learned from twitter is like that i've stolen money from people hmm. that i block people of certain races or ethnicities like twitter like and that stuff like i mean twitter put me in therapy for the very first time so like, <laughs> i'm like pretty yeah. on the, like let's like let's make this place healthy i mean like and then i slept today like i have like this guy who's like this person's been like a terrible troll who, like for me for forever like he's probably made 50 tweets about me i always joke like that just makes him my biggest fan mm -hmm. but one of his things he put up today where i've always just tried to like ignore he put up today uh i challenged jack out for you to a cage match and i'm just like actually yeah i'm in let's go <laughs> let's go let's start I'm training ready for the cage match yeah like actually it sounds awesome i've had this Wait, fantasy I feel for a like, long time i feel like i saw that tweet and i thought somebody was just joking and i'm like wait i don't think this guy has done anything anywhere problematic as other people who you would tweet about a cage match who would be it's i mean listen it's the internet like i mean i i so we were talking about threads earlier i put out a strategy guide for threads i called it like a threads 101 strategy and this person put this Twitter, this tweet up about me saying I was being problematic by putting a strategy out day one that I couldn't possibly know what I was talking about, that I was setting a poor expectation for their social media managers, like all this like insane garbage. What? And I saw it, I was like, like, okay, cool, interesting. Like if you read the article, it literally says, hi, everyone in our industry is asked to have a perspective on day one. Please feel free to copy paste this article to your bosses. But uh, apparently I was being problematic by writing a marketing strategy. So like, you learn something new every day. That's I... so insane. Like that is just literal crazy people energy. I... Mm. The, the internet. The internet. It's like, it's free to shut the fuck up, but it's also free to say the weirdest and dumbest shit. Um, as we were, we were also saying, I'm just getting the most unhinged comments in our YouTube because of a video we made. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I do feel like it is a certain person who can handle the negativity. I don't think it's a good thing for anyone to be able to handle it. And I certainly don't believe that anybody should be faced with it at a constant rate. I've, I've, I've said to Lizzie, like, Lizzie. I don't want them to have any room for like misogyny or any incel type behavior. I'm like, please target them at the straight white guy. I can fucking handle it. I'm, I'm going to be okay. But it's still, they find ways. They find like, oh man, you'll, you'll find something uh, to just say the dumbest thing about or the meanest thing about. And I, I, I'm happy that there's a more positive social media. I, it's also why I like Instagram because it's like you have to post a photo or you have to post something. You can't just like bullshit it. It's not just like, ah, oh, I typed out for two seconds. Like there's a little bit more of like a, a barrier to posting something on Instagram to be mean or to be rude, except in the comment section, which I also read there and then I turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would like, you see people post like relationship photos on Instagram and you see people on Twitter go, 
people who post relationship photos aren't as happy as they pretend to be. I'm like, I get it. You're a Twitter user. Yeah. That, that checks out. Actually. Yeah. Just, keep, just stay over there. It's yep. like you haven't touched grass. You haven't talked to anybody, <laughs> period. You haven't felt joy in years. Calm down. Other people do. It's fine. <laughs> Well, it's tough. Like, I was literally having this conversation today because, like, I have such a love-hate relationship with Twitter. Like, my a huge portion of my income comes because of my Twitter, whether it's through sponsored content or the people that I meet. Um, but for years, like, I was not good in person with people for a very long time. I was a cripplingly shy, like, a joke, like, a, a very serious, real joke is that I used to, like, I don't think I hit on my first girl at a bar until, like, 26. Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk to people. But I knew how to use the internet to meet people. Like I remember when I got to college, my dorm mates were really into Alexis on Fire, who I'd never heard of at the time. Showed like gave me a CDRW, if people remember those, <laughs> oh, of like yeah. their entire catalog. Yep. And then I, like the whole way I got into the music blog scene, I was like, wait, there's something called Twitter where I can meet other people who who like didn't live in my hometown who like the same music as me. <laughs> and that's how Mind Equals Blown was founded. Was like me and two other guys found each other who liked post hardcore music but then years and years later like after i built this presence for myself about marketing like i experienced my first hate on the internet it was really jarring for me because like that was my safe place to meet people mm. and when i experienced that first time was during pandemic so in a yeah. one week period like i went through a breakup uh me and my parents stopped speaking to each other over political and family trauma things and I had the first time people came at me on Twitter for something just like blatantly false about a small business <laughs> that I ran. And like, I had never felt more alone in my life because I had been using the internet to meet people for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm still like my friend today. She's like, you're still mourning that Twitter will never be this for you again, because now you got to deal with these people all day long. So it's, it's weird. <sighs> That's so interesting and terrible at the same time because i know that some people have talked about third spaces as well and i mm. think in a way like social media like just in general certain social medias have been that third space for folks especially during the pandemic where people lot you know a bunch of people start, started tiktoks so a lot of people started their own independent ventures during this time and they're like well this is my one place i can just like hone in on and focus and not deal with anything else. Mm -hmm. totally, totally. So like for me, like it was like, I mean, I felt like I lost like something really important to me and like a really like essential tool for me to connect with people. And like, don't get me wrong. I've like come out the other side. I figured out how to use it again. Like, but it's not, I've not been able to find like the same safety with it that I had before. Like, and I mean, a lot of this, I think is pandemic stuff. Like people during the most unhinged people, were more online than ever. <laughs> a lot of them built audiences and got new dopamine hits that they mm -hmm. weren't used to. And they just stuck around. Yep. Like, and it's, it's, uh, I, I miss the day, like, I, I, I miss the days when I had 10,000 followers. It was a different <laughs> time. Like, now, like, with my audience size, like, it's, I get hate every day. That's completely nonsensical. <laughs> uh, on that note, there's a lot of bands who, uh, obviously, it. I think the interesting thing for like a band having to post on there too, or anybody who's doing a creative in th thing is like, it's not just like you're posting on there because you're like, I want to talk to people and I want to give my opinion and I want to have conversation. It's also like, hey, our new single just came out. Hey, we have an album coming out. Hey, we're going on tour. And like, it becomes a place where it's also advertising your stuff and putting yourself out there in a way that like 
most people will never be putting themselves out there because they don't even use their own profile photo and they can say whatever the fuck they want. Um, and I, I know you're, you're probably on the same page of like, you got to be on every platform. You got to be on Instagram. You got to be posting on TikTok. You got to be doing all this stuff. And so like, how do you think a band should be kind of navigating those types of things on, on all these platforms now that like we are post quote unquote, again, for the audience at home, quote unquote, post pandemic. <laughs> uh, now that we're the like, new normal. yeah, the new normal quote unquote. Listen, I like to say in the newsrooms, there was a collective AP cell agreement that we are technically post pandemic. Now it still exists, but it's not the pandemic, everything that we had to incur- encounter before. If, if, if alternative uh, press says that's how we say it, then no. I'll do it. <laughs> Got him. Yes. Um, no, I mean, so it, it's fun. Like, to me, bands and labels alike, especially from like the emo scene, are completely missing the opportunity like that comes with modern social media. Like, I mean, like, what, like, Braden Bales will be one of my most played albums by the end of the year. Like, he went viral for Chronically Cautious and, like, had all these TikTok hits, and he's a kid. And, like, he's not backed. He actually has signed a record deal, but, like, he's a TikToker. And they're the, this air of this TikTok musician, that model could absolutely be replicated by a legacy band that's coming back, could be replicated by a brand new pop punk band. And it's just... I just don't think that there's been a ton of strategic thinking in the music social media world. Like the labels have people and like the labels have a lot of good people, but the, like we view TikTok as uh, what is the artist? Gail. Is that what we were talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, so like we think about like trending songs and we think about like plants and there's so much more you can do on TikTok as a band. Like, Arrows in Action is a perfect example. They have, like, last time I looked, they had, like, a couple hundred thousand followers. And most of what they do is the same style that a TikTok artist would do, where it's, like, they're taking the absolute catchiest part of their choruses. They're eliminating the millennial pause. So, like, the music starts right as soon as that TikTok begins. And they're trying different formats of this thing. And the rule of content is, like, if we all think we got to make new content all the time. Like I worked at ad agency. If we were paid to make new content, that's not the best strategy for mo- like most of the time, especially for bands. You got a, a chorus you believe in, or like it's your to me to your best catchiest thing. Pump that out over and over and over and over and over again through as many different formats as possible. Because it like if it's as good as like. The audience will tell you if they actually like it. The algorithm will get you to your potential audience. But like to me, like I'm not seeing the bands. Like, and again, I'm I'm on the I'm 34. I'm listening to a lot of legacy bands at this point from the scene. Like Balance Composure will be what like my most played this year. Like I found you guys because I was Googling like, has anybody talked to Bemis and say anything came back? And I listened <laughs> to that whole interview. Um but saying anything's a great one. Like I would love to work with Max on like showing a generation who he is and what his music looks like, but there's just not that many social strategic thinkers within the music scene. I think too, there's been so many folks that we've tried to talk to, like either them like legacy bands or even there's a couple newer acts. We actually, so we obviously, we get like a bunch of press, like pressers that are in our email every day. And there was one that like made me stop. I was walking and reading and I'm like, what, what are you sending me? They're like, we're this band from here. We have no social media presence. 
And I'm like, what is this does nothing for either of us at this point. And I'm like, now I I don't even want to listen to your music because this is, again, not going to do anything for me. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, one of my favorite albums from the last couple of years is a band called Adji, who I only recently figured out that it's pronounced that way. It's, it's A-D-J-Y. Um, and it's a, they were signed to, I forget which one of the little tiny indies, but then Triple Crown picked them up. And that's how I got on them. And, and Zach actually texted me, like, I think this will be your thing. Uh, and I was obsessed. Like, and like their last album is a 75 minute concept record where there's like a there's a story and then there's a narrator who's telling a different story about that story within it and there's like i got a book somewhere because they put out a hardcover book for you to like understand this thing to me it's genius i absolutely love it they don't have social media and it drives me insane absolutely insane like so like i'm one of the only people that's even talked about them and like because of my following their manager even got a hold of me because like Hi, saw you actually like this band and you do marketing. And I'm like, I don't know how to help you. I don't, first of all, I don't have time. But second of all, I don't know how to help you guys. Like, be on the internet. Be, be there. Uh, I just pulled them up on Spotify and they don't even have, like, their pictures, their profile pictures, the album cover. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Uh, they have a cover photo on there. And, I mean, I mean, I, you just got me very interested because it's yeah. if it's that big of, like, a... a a musical project i'm like yeah that's that's the kind of thing that probably a lot of people would be very into if they knew it existed yeah oh i mean i'm i'm probably 70 bucks into this band from owning multiple books that they've published about their own music to understand their lyrics and stories <laughs> i love concept records yeah but like it's like it's this genius thing but they like they have no social and to me, like, don't get me wrong, like, I don't, from what I've learned about this guy, like, he's, like, a musical mastermind genius kind of dude. I don't think he's the type who's going to sit there making TikToks. But at the same time, TikToks don't have to be this, like, cliche, slapstick, dancey type stuff. Like, TikTok's just a distribution network. Like, this is, like, therapists are big on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Like, basketball stars are big on TikTok. It's just a mechanic, it's just an algorithm and a distribution platform. So you can present yourself whatever's true to your badge, true to your label, like it's just, but you got to be there. You got to be willing to do it. And to me, like, if you're going to do one thing, like, like we talked earlier, like you need to be on every social network. If I'm a band, I'm focusing on three. I'm doing YouTube, doing TikTok, I'm doing Instagram. I'm focusing on short form vertical content. Like let's call it like say TikToks or Instagram reels. And I'm posting the exact same thing on reels, TikTok and YouTube shorts. And once you, like, if you get better at it or you have more time or you have someone in the band or the label that's really interested in this and quite good at it, then maybe you vary off for different things. But that can get you to the right audience just by making one piece of content and putting it on all three social networks. To you, so I think one of the things that I always get caught up with when I'm doing that, because, I mean, that is what we're trying to do right now is like just posting this short form everywhere and hoping that people catch on to like our, our cool interviews, with the people we've had and like what we're talking about with them. But I think that like one of the things that I've always experienced is like, well, why is it that my content isn't being seen by like a million people? Or is it, why am I not being followed by like every single person with an Instagram account and like kind of understanding that like, the band that does a 70 minute concept record with multiple books probably isn't going to be 
uh, opening for Taylor Swift. They're probably going to be, they're not going to be Garth Brooks. They're going to be, you know, more like hardcore fans. But like, how do you kind of balance that, like the visibility side and then the, the, how many people are actually paying attention and, and how many people are, are interested in it? Like, how do you balance those two things? Yeah, I mean, so like in marketing, like there's the, there's an idea, not even an idea, just it's like addressable audience. Like how, like who is the who is the addressable audience for what you're making for like a product? That's gonna be true of bands too. It's like for most post-hardcore bands, they're not gonna reach outside of the overall number of post-hardcore fans in the world. That's their that's their primary addressable audience. To your point, like Agi, they are reach like their audience is going to be folk concept records like it's like it's niches of niches mm -hmm. that said i really believe like everyone has unique stories to tell and like it, it, you can go find the proper audiences through this stuff so like i mean like a non-music example i'm doing this goofy thing where i'm trying to play like basketball at the highest level i ever have like i played through college i'm 34 my body's broken at this point but i found <laughs> out pro three on three is a thing so I was like, let's try to see if I can do this thing. In two months, I have 30,000 TikTok followers. I average between 50 and 100,000 views per video. And it's grown my Instagram on accident and doubled my Instagram on accident just from posting this stuff <laughs> and built this brand new TikTok. I'm a rec league basketball player. <laughs> like, you watch me play, I'm the, I'm, the, like, I'm the loppiest basketball player you've ever seen. Loppy. <laughs> That's a real loppy. All right. My body does not move in a graceful <laughs> fashion. Like I'm like I'm six five two thirty. Like it is. There's a lot of body movement. <laughs> but like the reason I bring that up is like to me, every band has really unique stories that they can share about who they are and why someone should be interested. Like and granted, if I'm a band, I'm focused on the music. Like that's the thing you got to do most. Like when we think about what drives someone to watch a TikTok or short form content. It's always a reflection of what they think are the first two seconds of that content. And it's 1.7 seconds is how long Meta says you have to earn someone's attention at this point. God damn. So if I'm a band, <laughs> that's, and it's, yeah, it's short and it's like, and we all know, like we rationally know this because if we're scrolling TikTok, we go fast. Like, and Twitter is way worse. Yeah. Um, but it's worth like, if I'm a band, if I see like a, this is so nitpicky, like Polyphia, one of my favorite bands. And I think Polyphia for like a, like, if we were to say a like creative strategy, like in my industry, to me, they've nailed it. Every one of their music videos just shows them playing in different environments as it should, because people listen to Polyphia because they're a technically proficient band and want to see the fingers move fast and want to see the drums. And for them to never make a video that didn't have them do that would be a complete strategic mess. Mm -hmm. Something I would love to see them do is they do a lot of like really slow pan up shots to start videos. And in my world, like of marketing advertising, that's a death sentence because people click away. <laughs> like that's like my one, like, and that's such a nitpicky me thing, but this is also the difference. Like, and they're so proficient, like they will be one of the biggest bands we've ever seen come out of that scene. But that kind of stuff does matter when we're looking at like short form content. That's why a band, don't start your TikTok on your slow swell verse. Like start it on like the chorus beats or the first drum beat of that catchy part, or like for you guys, like for a podcast, like I, the reason my TikToks are, are performing is because everything's framed up at the beginning from uh, each piece as like a very, I don't want to call it clickbait, but it's like an emotional trigger of a title. Mm -hmm. 
So like my, I could have like the one I posted today. I could have put like, and my latest three on three game. But what it says is I played the number two three on three team in the U.S., which creates intrigue, and that's true. That's who I played against. So it creates intrigue, which then got them to watch that content. At the end of it, I talked about like this is what what's happening next. So like what generally what happens in the podcast model is people shoot long form. They try to find small clips within that. If they need to, they cut them up into stuff. And I, and I haven't seen a ton of you guys short form. So like, I'm, I'm curious how you, what's working for you, but are you getting that first two seconds, right? Is really all that matters is that first two seconds introduce a topic that is relevant to the type of viewer you're trying to get. This is when I feel like the most millennial of all time. It's basically like writing a headline and like making sure that the headline tracks that that's where my brain goes is here's the headline. Here's the title. Here's the subheader. Here's the lead. Like, yeah, like like a basketball example that I'll never talk about sports on an email podcast ever again. (laughs) Uh, There's a, there's an NBA player named Patrick Beverly. One of my favorite guys, like total junkyard dog type of player. He's got a podcast and his TikTok's blowing up because he's a compelling guy. But I, as a as a as social strategist, sometimes my heart he's got a he's got a co-host who's a very good podcast co-host. But what I can tell I can see just casually through data, I don't even have their first party data. I'm just looking at their views. When they start a TikTok where their co-host is the first person on the screen instead of Patrick Beverly, the view counts lower. Yep. So mm-hmm. they need to find a way. So every time they're doing short form. And it's like, it's tough because they're the other guy queues up a lot of the questions for Pat Bev. But what I've seen them do now is they'll do stack screen. Yeah. So Pat's on the screen. So like, that's a small creative strategy twist that can have great results. So that's where it's like, I mean, like for you guys, like if you're talking about a specific musician, you probably need that still photo or that video of that musician on the screen in those first couple seconds when you're talking about them, which also requires more video editing time from everybody. So like, it's, <sighs> it's tough. Like we're all doing the, we're all doing the best we can. Like, yeah. I'm losing multiple hours per day on something that doesn't pay me anything right now. Cause it's like <laughs> a fun artistic thing for me. Yeah. But like it, it's tough. It's uh, it, it's the millennial shit. It's like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think what I am looking for personally is going to be very different from what the audience that I'm trying to get to listen to my stuff is going like I I always say to myself like if I saw a flyer for a concert I'm probably not going to go to that concert like does kind of doesn't matter (laughs) and it's just like that's just who I am like I know that if I'm trying to advertise like my band to like hey please come to this show I'm like what would I? What would in, what would entice me to go to that show? I'm like fucking nothing, man. Like a car that picks me up for free and takes me there, and there's beers in it. And once I get there, I'm handed more beers, and I'm front row, and I'm also not surrounded by anybody. That's about it, because I'm old and I'm tired, and I don't want to be there. <laughs> but well, I mean, it's I, it's funny. Like I I won't say what band it is because I want to call them out. But like a, a couple of my buddies who have a band who like people definitely know. They've built a TikTok following, and their content's been about being a DIY band. And their content, aesthetically and storytelling-wise, is really great. I really love that stuff. But they're like, why are we driving people from the, our TikTok to our shows? They're like, because your TikTok's not about your music. Yeah. It's not about your – like, you've built a DIY band following, not a music following. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And like, and, like, to your point, like, that doesn't drive me to go to a show. Right drives me to learn more about how to do diy band stuff correct so like that's where it's like like and there's a million it's funny i've had this idea in the back of my head forever to make like a 
a guide because like, I, I believe you can make 50 pieces of content from one individual song and you multiply that times like 10 songs up 12 songs in an album you have like a year of content yeah right there and i think this is where again like there's just there hasn't been a lot of people that have worked in my field that have been in that space a lot of the people who work in music who a lot of people who work in social strategy in the music industry are born and raised through the music industry social strategy mm-hmm. which has been great and has a lot of unique things but like part of my whole thesis as a marketer is like we learn way better by stealing from other industries. Yeah. True. Like, I mean, the music industry just always has been at the forefront of, of all of this stuff, you know, just the people running the show. It's just like, what what band release is going to do the next Barbie? Okay. Like I'm waiting for it. Who's going to do it? Barbenheimer is maybe the most like, like one of my favorite things that just sort of like organically popped up on its own. And I'm such a huge fan of it. And it just feels like, like it feels like a, an actual new experience of seeing like just uh, the internet saying this would be fucking hilarious, and then everybody in both Barbie and Oppenheimer just getting real into it, and I cannot get enough of it. It's fun. I mean, it's like Barbie already spent a hundred million dollars on their marketing budget, and then yeah. you combine this kind of stuff, like it's yeah. it's amazing. It's the new chicken sandwich wars. It's insane. It's silly. Like I'm having fun with it. I'm gonna see both. Yeah, I if I wasn't moving this weekend, I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm seeing it tomorrow. I'm I moving on Barbenheimer weekend. <laughs> so my whole day, I've, I've lost Barbenheimer time. Precious Barbenheimer time. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Who do you, out of your legacy bands that you really like, would you classify as Barbie or Oppenheimer? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Can we talk about AMVs again? (laughs) (laughs) Barbie or Oppenheimer. That's definitely a TikTok, like, segue piece that we'll see there. Uh, I feel like everyone's going to say Oppenheimer because they're all going to be cool adults. I mean, like, Okay, so you mentioned Alexis on Fire. Are they Barbie? That's very Oppenheimer. Or Oppenheimer. Ask, I feel it's for sure Oppenheimer. Like, there's like guys in that band who like troll, but like fundamentally, that's a very political band, and I think that gets like missed by a lot of their audience because they hear like loud music. Like, no, 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 that's like a everything's politically driven about that band. It's definitely gonna be Oppenheimer for them, and they write seven songs about it probably. <laughs> May I say though, Dallas Green's voice, Barbie. <laughs> I, you know what? I will let you have it. <laughs> just, just got a great voice, man. Uh, it's balance, say, the best. It's, balance it's say and anything, though. Oh my god, you want to go say anything next? All right. <laughs> say, say anything. It's for sure Barbie and like some like post dystopian lyric. Like again, like that's a bit, like Max would write a song about what Barbie's done to the world, but then he'd also have like actually, you know what? He would write about like the the combination of the two. He'd, He'd be Barbenheimer. He'd yep. be Barbenheimer. <laughs> he would be the Barbenheimer. <laughs> and to be clear, balance and composure would definitely be Barbie because those guys seem like the biggest, like one of my favorite bands of all time, seem like the biggest trolls in the world. <laughs> uh, balance composure Twitter canceled me. This actually happens. Oh, wow. Wait, what? Like you, were you canceled by <laughs> the fans of on Twitter of balance and composure or by balance and composure? By the band. <laughs> Okay. So, so, like, so oh God, I haven't told a story in so long. Um, so like this was back 
this was like post the things we think we're missing. I'm still writing for the music blog at the time. And their Twitter account was like hyper trolly. Like it was just like gifts and ridiculous stuff. Um, and I had tweeted, all I tweeted was very benign. And I had, this is like, I had like 5,000 followers. I had no audience. I had tweeted, I wish balance would, I wish at balance Cop would just talk about like their music and tours on their Twitter account. Like, I don't really want to follow this kind of stuff. I just want to know, like, but I can't figure out when they're going on tour because there's so much of this stuff. And I don't remember exactly what they said, but they quote retweeted me and basically told their fans, like, get him. <laughs> and I had thousands oh of God. replies of their fans coming at me. And, like, I was younger and didn't really know what to do with this. So, like, I actually, like, abandoned my Twitter handle. And then one of their, t- one of their fans went and grabbed it and started no. tweeting as me. <laughs> one of my buddies, like, told them like guys this is really inappropriate and they quote retweeted him and said this guy has aids <gasps> like it was insane. like, like they're published like because I, I was still right for ap net at the time which like is a website that mattered to that genre yeah, yeah. and i remember their i remember their publicist dming me going like dude i don't know what's going on like i'm so sorry like like i don't know what's happening and, like it, i was free because this is one of my favorite bands ever now like, oh my god <laughs> and to this day to this day i don't know who in the band did it i don't know what happens like it was a long time ago like ultimately it's a band that meant so much to me musically that i like got over it like i just went to their one of their reunion shows a week ago and had an absolute blast after all that happened i like one of my like my, my record collections back there like i have um one of the first test pressings of the things we think we're missing that i bought myself <laughs> as like a feel better gifted who knows after a breakup or something probably yeah like it's but like it's like this one of those like weird like the internet <laughs> You oh said that they're Barbie, God. but it sounds like they dropped an atom bomb on you. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I feel like they're not really Barbie here. Um, I feel like it's giving it's giving a little bit of Ronald Bradkey here with how this all let's, played out. Let's not go let's not tread these paths again. Oh Lord. Ronnie Radke I don't have, doesn't I don't have a Radke story. As you guys know, I have certain singer stories. That's one guy who I don't th- if I have interacted with him, I don't remember it. I mean, that probably hurts him worse than anything else. Yeah. The fact that, like, he hasn't forcibly made his presence known to you individually upsets him at night. Uh, God. But one person who probably is very upset that you interrupted with the, your presence with him is Johnny Craig. To this day. Oh, man. The, the, if I have one, if I gave the scene one thing. It was like the legend of everything Johnny Craig does besides sing. Yep. It was a gift that kept on giving for a time there. Yeah. It, I mean, and like for like for everybody watching who doesn't know, like, so I was the writer that broke the Johnny Craig MacBook scandal um, when he like was selling microphones. Like, it was like, no one does like, he got accused of, he got accused of defrauding a fan by not sending the microphone they sold him. I remember telling my buddy, so I worked with him, my nickel was blown at the time, like, no one does this one time. This is like, this, that's not <laughs> something someone does once. Mm-hmm. And we found this, like, Facebook group of multiple people who had, like, bought MacBooks or signed microphones. And it's funny, like, we're, like, we're such kid journalists. Like, I actually didn't write the story. I gave it to one of our writers, because I was the managing editor of my nickel was blown at the time. That was the site that me and a couple of buddies had started. Um, I gave it to one of our writers, who had more time on his hands. I was running my college newspaper at the time as well. 
and I was a contributing reporter and did help him do all the homework for it. But we just kept uncovering more and more things and ended up publishing this story that kind of became like my claim to fame within the scene. Like the first thing that I had ever written that got picked up by Absolute Punk, which then led, led to me becoming an Absolute Punk staff writer, um, led to several fascinating run-ins with Johnny over the year. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it was a weird thing, man. God, yeah, that's like insane that that's just kind of how it all worked out. That's like pure investigative journalism. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun. I mean, that was like so, like with me and a guy named Drew Maroon, um, and then a guy named Matthew Colwell, who had a, a blog called Get an Erection back in the day, and also worked for Alt Press. Um, when we had first like start, we had first started this thing. Um, my whole, my, what I wanted to do was bring like a serious like almost like an ESPN tone to emo music. That's what I wanted to do. It's like, it's something I cared about and I thought we could take it seriously. And I think I even like was too serious about that thesis for a long time. Cause I like, guess just like, that's just, I was raised like very like corporate for lack of a better word, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what my name was blown was, was like trying to figure out like how to take this music, like music stuff seriously. So like I was, I was educated as a journalist. Like I took journalism classes. I was the editor in chief of my college newspaper, but I didn't work as a journalist outside of Absolute Punk and all press. And like at Absolute Punk, we didn't make any money. So did I work as a journalist? You tell me. Um, <laughs> so like we're all figuring out like how to report on this stuff. But like that's where it's funny. Like the things that I was most read at the time were like that piece um, when uh, I forget the thing when Gallows is original Frank Carter is that his name? Yep, the yep. original singer from Gallows. Yeah. So when, Fr- when Frank left Gallows and there was this rumor that he was coming back, I was like all over Twitter searching for things, searching Instagram. And I was the first person to put together that Wade McNeil from Alexis was mm-hmm. their new singer. And I put out this big, long like, blog post piece, whatever you want to call it, showing different timestamps of Wade, like using Foursquare, checking in from London. And here's a picture of him with bands. And like, you could put it together. And then I did the same thing for Woe Is Me of all bands. <laughs> I like I broke the news of who their singer was that replaced Tyler Carter. Mm-hmm. Like that was what I like that I loved doing that stuff, but like trying to take an investigative approach to the emo music scene. In retrospect, like besides the Johnny Craig story, I don't know how much that contributed to this stuff because like ultimately what I was doing was breaking marketing plans. Yeah. Like what good did that do? what good did that do for I feel anybody? like everything the Johnny Craig won my professional opinion as a journalist and editor is uh <laughs> that was AMV investigative editor. journalism the <laughs> other one was yeah. i need to know and i'm going to be yeah. here's my my red string and everything has to work <laughs> which is fine because totally. who amongst like, us hasn't yeah. done that at some yeah. point or another totally and like we thought we were like like and i appreciate that about the giant one I, and i'm very proud of that like that's like a that's a story that journalists don't some journalists will never have a story like that and yeah. that happened to me when i was like 21 i think um so like it was cool like it got me like it got me more involved in my scene than ever um it's made me permanently attached to dance gavin dance and yeah. the, the various offshoots <laughs> of those bands i mean that's where it's like i mean what's funny is like that got me so connected with those groups where it's like like Kurt Travis has stayed at my apartments, like when he's gone on tour, like Hail the Sun has stayed with mm-hmm. me. A lot like Birds has stayed with me when I lived in LA, when I lived in LA still. And like I wrote about all those offshoots of bands. Like that was almost like we talk about like a journalism beat. Or like, like that was my yeah. beat for a long time. <laughs> As a result of that, like Swancore. Yep. I was like, and don't get me wrong. This is like 
this is pre-meme swancore. Mm-hmm. So like anybody who's like like anybody who like knows the Tillian era of dance Gavin dance probably has no idea who I am because it, it was just a different generation of that yeah. music. But like that's like that's what I wrote about for a very long time. That is, you could stay in business just writing about swancore and all the bands that are just related to it. That's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> Also, I don't I mean, think we got we got clicks. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is that like you could do that when music journalism was alive and thriving. But now it's like, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. It's like it, you would need to do like TikToks or YouTube. Yep. And like, I think you could do like and I, and I don't want to like make people think that that's like a lesser form. It's a different form. Like, no, like writers don't love the pivot to video. I've kind of just always been a cre. I consider myself a creative more than a writer this whole time. Mm. So like for me, it's like okay, it's just the next way that I like talk about this stuff. But like I mean, writing long form is hard. Like writing my newsletter each week for social media, like it's it's not the most fun part of my week. <laughs> putting eight hundred words down on social media strategy. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, there was one week I had to write a whole podcast episode. With granted, it was like an easier podcast setup. I had to do research, and I'm like, I haven't wrote like written a script by myself in probably like maybe eight months and i'm like sitting here like i know how to write i know how to research i know how to interview i have all my cuts and edits done what do i want to talk about with this it's hard i mean it's uh, like again like i well i will champion like the new forms of creative and music and like like i guess influencers and creators like i miss the forums and i miss the discussion that came with the written content uh i mean we can keep talking for a little bit i don't mind the conversation going a little bit long on this one uh we are at a a little over an hour so i mean where can people find all of your written content so at least our our people are are checking it out when you spend that time writing that 800 words down (laughs) yeah i mean like if you're if you work in marketing or social media and you want to learn about social media and marketing that's what I do full time. Like my name is Jack Appleby. It's very Googleable and searchable on every social network. Cause it sounds like a fictional character. Um, <laughs> like, so like I'm on, and I'm on all of them. Like if you're, if you're an emo music fan who doesn't work in marketing, don't follow me or be bored out of your mind. <laughs> uh, but my newsletter is called future social. I write once a week. It's totally free. Um, tomorrow's will be, or this week's will be about, unhinged social media and how i wish it would stop i'm over it personally <laughs> um i write a lot of case studies and brand pieces like it's it's very corporate so if you're in that world you might enjoy it i currently don't have anywhere that i write up music like on my instagram i do a little bit which is just it's chapel bny um but I, at some point i'd like love to actually like, write or like create about music again it's like on the long-term agenda yeah are you when you say unhinged? Are you talking about like Grimace Shake and and Wendy's and and all that? I, uh, that'll come up. Uh, I think McDonald's actually does an awesome job. They're one of my favorite examples of doing it right because it's it's weird and it's internety, but it's not rude and it's not intentionally crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the Grimace Shake trend was not them. Right. That that happened yeah. organically. Right. Which is incredible, and like their their uh, director of social. He actually put out a big blog post mm-hmm. about how they had a long debate about whether they should write, like actually address it or not. Especially because like it's not a brand safe trend; like, people are <laughs> pretend dying. Um, well, and so then, no and one actually landed, died. So, 
yeah, and this is this is where we're at in the world now. As long as yeah. I'm dead, um, we were yeah. literally talking about it in my newsroom, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I'm really bit genuinely shocked that we aren't reporting on like, oh, someone took the grimace shake too it's far and they actually pods. died. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, like I, after that person walked off a cliff trying to catch Pokemon Go, yeah, yeah, just, I, Darwinism is real and alive. <laughs> Um, but no, it's, it's like a, this week I'll be writing a little more about like more about shock value in social media strategy. Let's say like I don't think McDonald's is shock value. I think I think Wendy's is great in that they only targeted their own fans who asked for it. Mm-hmm. They roast people who want to be roasted. But there's this whole new thing where people are just like acting unhinged on their brand accounts. And like uh, it's not working. You'll never convince me that it's working. And like my take is just like. I just really want to be part of that. Like, that's not stuff I want to put into the world. Even if it was working, like, I don't want to be part of it. So it's, it's like, this one's like kind of just like a plea almost. But like, usually <laughs> I write about like brand case studies. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I, 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 I'm trying to think of those like examples. And it's like, is it the Sunny D one that like, Sunny D is like, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> it's like, you are Sunny stuff D. Stuff like that. Where <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, the personification of brands that way is like, that's a little much to me. Like, and there's stuff that's been fun. Like, Denny's over the years was really fun. Like, it was really weird and, like, yeah. internet. Like, uh, there's, like, a difference between, like, internet-y, where it's, like, silly, and, like, I, like the Sunny D, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, there's such a stark contrast between those, and I just don't need this one. Like, yeah. let's just do away with it. I'm going to turn that back around on music and be like, hey, bands, like, be normal. <laughs> like, just, just be normal. Have a normal one for once. Yeah. I'm begging. Uh, well, like we, were t- like we were talking about earlier, like, just post your music and post about your music. Like, I, like, I, talk, I was talking about Dance Gavin Dance type bands. Like, when Kurt left a lot like Birds, and there were so many questions about what that band would sound like going forward. He had mentioned that, like, there were some creative differences. They did these really fantastic uh, studio videos, which are simple studio videos. But Corey, who had mostly done spoken word for them, was, had learned how to sing. And w- whether they did this strategically or not, I don't know. But they would put out these videos of Corey singing these huge vocals. And it made me so intrigued to hear what was coming next for them. That's not rocket science. They just showed him singing upcoming songs. It wasn't like him trying to get shock value or be weird. I mean, this is where, like, I've seen a lot of really terrible band marketing tactics. Like, what, like, you know what? I, a lot like Birds have one where, like, this is useless. I don't know why you guys did this. <laughs> they had a, uh, an album art reveal where it's like a, it was an online digital puzzle. So, like, mechanically, it was interesting, like, to put together a puzzle. But that's for your most core of core of core fan. Mm-hmm. That's for somebody that gives so many fucks about your band that you're willing to go to a website, maneuver pieces around to see what that band's album art is, that fan was already going to listen to your album. Yep. You just bu- spent money building a website for somebody that was already going to listen to you instead of spending that marketing money on something else for new fans. <laughs> and there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, again, one more example. I won't call them out because it's be rude. There's a brand new band, who like a band who had just like who's just relabeled themselves I think they're, they don't have a song that has more than 10,000 plays on Spotify. And I'm following them right now closely because I really liked that album, even though no one knows who they are. And they're doing this big Instagram campaign at the moment 
where like they've got a voicemail and you can call because they want you to leave a message for like the, you in the future of who you want to be and all this stuff. And I'm like, I was like, this is cool. Like I, I see what you're doing. You have 1500 followers on Instagram. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, like this is not where your time, effort, money is best spent right now. Just show people the music, like get the music out there, make content about your music. Don't like, don't think about any marketing tactic besides things that audibly show your music or audibly like play your music. Uh, maybe this, maybe this will be the last question, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, what do you think about like, uh, the, the strategy I always had heard is like the band has its account and the band account is the band account. And then individual members should also have their own accounts and kind of post their own stuff because for most fans they get tied to the members and the band is kind of the place where it's like here's tour here's music and maybe a little bit of that discoverability side from the band account but everybody should kind of be creating their own stuff too uh is that still the case and um, can i delete my twitter <laughs> um this is where I think it's worth focusing on the band account. Like, and I think like a challenge that I put out there for every band, make daily content. None of them do. No one does that. Like in like, if anything, like one of the, like I'm going to zoom out for a second. When I work for a product, like let's say I'm selling like, I'm working on Xbox or I'm working on like Microsoft Surface. Like those are two of my past clients. We talk about that product constantly and year round because that's the product, that's how the company makes money. These bands, their products are the music, merchandise, and tours. If music's the primary product, their social media does not talk about their primary products long at all. It should be, they should be crushing you with this thing, like constantly, because if the music's good, people will be happy to hear it again. Mm -hmm. And like what we, like in music, we also have this idea of like an expiring product, Go talk about your old music still. We do, like if you're on your current album cycle, great. Focus on your new album. You're promoting that stuff. You have this huge back catalog. If you're not promoting new music, go promote old music. <laughs> like the only the only band I've seen do. I mean, they're one of the most digitally savvy bands. Is the 1975. Yep. Like I've got Instagram story ads for the 1975's back catalog. Yep. And that's smart do that especially if you've proven successful on these things like this is where, like for like bands like i realize i'm talking like a big game but like more traditional social strategy in bands if you just start by thinking of something to post every day and focusing on like why do people like your bands and what's the most compelling things about your music if you just think about those things and make content every day you will become an awesome content creator and people will find your band especially like in the TikTok and Instagram Reels era. You just got to be willing to do that. I like it. Um, well, yeah, I guess we can wrap it up there. This was inspiring. This is a lot of yeah, good this stuff. Was like, this was a good chat with somebody I've, who's kind of uh, like been there and seen it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, I mean, thank you for having me. Like, this stuff, like, I don't get to talk about this stuff anymore. And I certainly don't get to talk about it in the context of like music plus social. Yeah. So like, this has been super fun. We try to be the place where it's like, let's talk about old music. And then also like, how do we, uh, you know, make new music? Like, we're always like, we want to play like new music at our DJ nights. And then we're like, 
no one will know it. It's it's like they come out to hear the Mike Hems and the the Paramours over and over again. It's like, but I want to play some of the old shit, man. Like, but then you like also like go on Twitter or on, or like anywhere and they're like, I can't, I can't believe they don't play these new bands. Yeah, they, oh. like, we do. Where are you? <laughs> yeah. Where are you? <laughs> I remember, um, cause like, uh, so I, I'm from LA. So I was at the, I mean, for like three years, I went to every single emo night LA. Yep. I went to the second one ever and went to all of them since then. And I remember at one of the earliest ones, Hoppus was the DJ, mm-hmm. and he played a bunch of like cred emo, and the crowd died. Yep. Like, put on Paramore and Third Eye Blind, and suddenly everyone like lighten up. Yep. Like it's like so like it's it's tough. Like the like those environments are not for us to like show our scene points. They're yeah. To play bangers. <laughs> not trying to look cool by playing songs that nobody knows because it just doesn't. Uh... Doesn't go get anywhere. to Jimmy World Sweetness and just, you're set. Yep, just yeah. hit the sweetness and move on. Or uh, I will say we've been we've been doing this thing where we've been playing butt rock, and that's also been starting to go off a little bit yeah. because of the irony of it. New metal and butt um, rock totally. does, does yeah. numbers. <laughs> totally, do numbers. I mean, like it's and like it is kind of like somewhat like it is adjacent to emo. Yeah. I mean, like we're we're dicking around about fuel at the beginning of this pod. Like, yeah. That's it's. I was late to emo. I listened to my dad's '90s rock for a really yep. long time, and like the, the and then early 2000s rock. Yep. Like my first, my first Taking Back Sunday record. This is so crazy. It was like I'm gonna lose all my scene cred. I finally was like, huh, live from Orisons. I should probably pay more attention to this band. And then went backwards <laughs> through the catalog because yep. I was like not a, I was like not a pop punk guy. Like my first brand new record was. Uh, I think like Daisy, and then I finally oh, went backwards God. and listened through the music because I was just like really late to certain parts of the scene. Yep, I uh, I think that's fair though because I only got into brand new when I dated somebody who was into brand new, and then was like, oh, the old stuff is good. And Taking Back Sunday, I just was like, I hate this band for no reason. <laughs> and then I was like, oh wait, this Where You Want to Be record is really good, and now I'm gonna have to go back to the old one and and listen to that. So. Everyone's on their own journey with the, all these new bands. Uh, maybe that journey won't be where you find them at a at an emo night LA, but you'll <laughs> you can find them somewhere. And to all the kids at the emo night LA who doesn't know Taking Back Sunday, uh, still have your time. Embarrassing for you. You'll find your one. Um, we'll go ahead and we will uh, we'll we'll end the interview there. Um, and 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 Jack, this was enlightening. It was it. What was the word that Lizzie used? Uh, at the beginning of it, what did you call extraordinary? This has been ex- <laughs> this has been an extraordinary. Wow. Look at that donut you just did. Yeah, we don't know. You're, you're all too nice. <laughs> you're both way too nice. Well, thank you for being on, man. Thanks, guys. It's super fun. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Emo Social Club podcast. Uh, five star episode if I ever heard one. Yeah, of course, and always, honestly, good always. combo, good music chats, tea. You know it. We tee up. Uh, make sure to check out the video over on our YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe over there. Uh, let us know if you see any of the shorts that we posted from this. Like, comment, subscribe on those platforms wherever you're seeing it. Um, and and you'll be able to uh, help us with the algorithm. <laughs> It'd be really cool if we can just, again, we'll get in your feeds. We'll get into the wrecks. Then just you'll tell your friends. Feeds. Just getting in them uh we'll be back next week with an episode for sure uh, we're moving we'll, give us a break we're doing our best yeah uh we we are two regular people with regular lives and 
We will see you next Tuesday in in our regular way. And from from (laughs) all of us here at the Emo Social Club Podcast, I'm Brian. And I'm Lizzie. Goodbye. Welcome to the Emo... Fuck. Wow, that was really... Mm.